Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I love clothes. I love feeling great in my outfit. I love wearing clothes that in five years, I'll look at a picture of myself and be like, oh my God, what was I wearing? Like I love fashion. And I love things that are not classics and are not going to be fashionable in a few years. And I hate the fashion industry. And so I've taken some steps, you know, over the last decade of my life to engage in both of these things, to hate the fashion industry and invest in slow fashion and buy used, but still love the way that I dress. And that's not even getting into like body image and beauty stuff. And so this is a live question in my life of how do I engage in this thing that I feel really passionate about while also living up to my values? And my values sometimes make me less passionate about a thing that I love. And that is what we are going to talk about today with Emily. Emily is someone who has a similar relationship that I have with clothes, with interior design. And her question today is, should I quit my hobby of interior design? I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Should I Quit? Hi, Emily. Hi, Vanessa. So Emily, we're going to talk to you about whether or not you should continue in your hobby of interior design in a minute. But before I maybe tell you to quit that, I want to get in a question under the wire, which is I'm 40 years old. Am I too old to put up twinkle lights as like a lighting fixture in my house? Absolutely not. My biggest rule for interior design is your home should make you happy, period. Like full stop. Whatever makes you happy in your house, if twinkle lights are it, girl, go for it. Okay. Now you can probably quit. 
So <laughs> now that I got my question out of the way, let's talk about your question. There you go. Okay. You are bringing us a question about a passion of yours. And I was mm-hmm. wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your relationship to interior design. Yeah, sure. So for as long as I can remember, I have been super into interior design. Even as a young kid, I was like constantly rearranging my room and wanting to get a new bedspread and like, mom, can I move these posters of Britney Spears to the other side of the room, like next to Backstreet Boys? You know what I mean? Just, I have just kind of always loved it. And my mom is an artist. She's done ceramics and painting and quilting and sewing. I mean, just all kinds of creative outlets. And my mom always was decorating our home, mostly with things that she created herself. So just kind of being in beautiful spaces was something I was really fortunate to be exposed to. And as I grew up, I just found that it was kind of where my creativity led me. And when I moved out on my own for the first time and got my own place, I really just kind of like dove headfirst into it, right? The the freedom to just really create a space that felt like me really excited me. And I've, you know, moved like 11 times in 11 years. It's kind of crazy. Um, And each time, like my favorite part is getting to like re-envision what my home can look like and what my things might look like in a new space and how they are in relationship to each other. And I get really excited about it. Um, I'm not professionally trained by any stretch of the imagination, but I love it. But as I get older and as my priorities shift, I'm starting to kind of question where it fits in my story and in and in my life. So what is the concern of where it fits in your life? Because it sounds to me like this is something that gives you joy, but why are you considering quitting this thing entirely? Yeah, so I would say over the last, especially the last couple of years, I'm a fairly new mom. I have a toddler. And um, just my priorities have shifted financially. Things have shifted just as the world has shifted some and, you know, you know, having a child. And I've just kind of started to see more of the, the capitalistic nature of it and finding that where I get my inspiration, like scrolling Instagram and HGTV and all of that, I also am feeling this sense of when is it ever enough, right? And like, There's so much comparison and it's hard to find yourself in a place where you can feel really proud of your work when there's always something that's better and there's always somebody with more money and there's always somebody with more time to DIY, you know, a really cool something, you know, whatever it may be. So it's just kind of been this little like irking in the back of my mind, probably over the last year since we moved into our most recent house, we moved a little over a year ago, and it's by far the nicest home I've ever lived in. I'm incredibly fortunate to be here. And I just found myself like kind of moving past the feeling fortunate really quickly and into the all the things I want to do. And this isn't good enough. And I want more and I want bigger and I want better and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We've kind of had to pause on making this house a home a little bit just because it's more expensive than anywhere we've ever lived and because our financial situation is a little bit tighter than it has been previously. So in doing that, I've kind of taken a little bit of a pause, right? And and kind of stepped back and and thought about this. Okay, like when I'm making these decisions for my home or whenever I'm wanting to do something or dreaming of something, 
is this joy that it's bringing me the right kind of joy? Is this a creative outlet or is this, you know, something that's becoming detrimental to my well-being? And and that that sounds dramatic, but like I do find myself stepping like totally away from that side of Instagram. Like I have two totally separate Instagram accounts and I will go months without even like looking at, you know, anything besides just my friends and family, right? Because I'm like, I'm not in that space. It's going to open up something either creatively or just make me want to spend money that I don't have, you know? So I've kind of drawn that line. You know, I feel pretty good about that, but I'm just kind of wondering about where it lives in my life. And I've just kind of been thinking about it. So you said that it's potentially the wrong kind of joy. Can you tell me about what you think one of the right kinds of joy is and what one of the wrong kinds of joy is? Because like some wrong kinds of joy are really intuitive to me, right? Right. If you get a lot of joy speeding down the street at 120 miles per hour, (laughs) that's dangerous. Like I understand why that's thrilling, but that is dangerous and you shouldn't do it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. What about this could potentially be the wrong part of joy other than the financial aspect, which I totally hear? Mm -hmm. I do think that the financial aspect is probably the biggest piece just for me and my family and where we are right now. But I also, you know, like I find myself when I do something, it's like kind of that instinct. And I think this is common in, you know, my age group and my generation, but, oh, I need to take a picture and put it on Instagram, you know, and like, oh, but, but is it good enough for Instagram or whatever? And so I just kind of find myself wondering, am I competing with myself or am I competing with the rest of the world? You know, like, where's the satisfaction come from? And I just, want to make sure it's coming from me and not from, you know, validation externally. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to offer a reflection, but it, it really is a question. It sounds to me like when you go down a interior design rabbit hole, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, you lose control of it or you feel as though you lose control of it. Is that right? Yeah, I think that I kind of notice myself going from really inspired and excited to the sort of comparison side of things where like, I'm never going to be able to do this, or I don't have the finances for that, or my house is never going to be that big. I'm never going to have that, right? So it's it's that bridge that I cross somewhere in there from feeling excited and inspired, you know, by my own personal situation and possibility to comparing myself and wanting something that feels out of reach. And that's where I start to kind of feel icky about it. Yep. To stick with my car metaphors for today, for some reason, it's like you go from like having your foot on the pedal and feeling like you're moving at a lovely speed to suddenly going down a steep hill and the brakes are mm-hmm. off where you're like, oh, I, I got in this car thinking we were doing one thing and now something else is going on here. I just want to say that the world is currently designed for this car ride t- to start to be downhill, no brakes, right? It is so easy to like see an ad on Instagram, enter a four-digit code, and it will be at your house in two days. Like, this is not a you problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a capitalism problem. Instagram is designed to exploit your insecurities. (laughs) It is shaped with filters so people can make their lives look more beautiful than they are. 
And what I love that you're doing is noticing, like, this is making me feel bad instead of good now. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the question is, can you save interior design from that, right? Like, can it be a thing that you just have this, as you said, like, right kind of joy, this inspiration, and then this enjoyment of coziness? And it's a really hard question because, like I said, the world is designed for you to not be able to do that, to turn the ground from flat into like, you know, a very steep slope down into shopping right. and credit cards and all sorts of things. I understand the instinct to just be like, no, I'm going to keep finding myself on this steep hill. I should just get the frick out of the car. Mm-hmm. But that's rude because you like going on drives. Right. And I think too, like, you know, that's my thing. It's like, I know this brings me joy and this is a creative outlet for me that I've not really been able to replace. Like I've tried other things like, hmm, maybe like I'll do this. And I'm like, oh, that's not really for me. Right. Like, I, you know, I've tried different things and um, nothing really gets me excited in the same way. Right. So I'm like, I know that it's healthy and realistic to have joy in whatever brings me joy, right? Like, I know it's okay for me to have that, right? Right. We don't have to problematize everything in our lives. Right, right. You know, so I, I feel like I, I know that. And so I'm okay with it in that element. And But yes, it, there is that line, right, where you start to lose control and and it becomes competitive and you start, you know, wanting to keep up with the Joneses, you know, kind of, kind of situation. And um, I just find, especially, you know, like getting older and becoming a mom, like, Gosh, the subliminal messaging to buy, buy, buy is just so everywhere and it's gross. I mean, even like registering, you know, for a baby registry when I was pregnant with my son, I was just like, oh, I just, I, I don't like this. The world that we live in, the way it teaches us that we need so much stuff, it just sometimes is really hard to stomach. So, Emily, my first question is one of like, how to set limits. So it sounds like to some extent you're really good at this. Like you have unfollowed certain things. You have figured out ways to siphon off the parts of interior design that stress you out and that make you not happy. I'm wondering if something like a budget would be a really simple solution. If you were allowed to spend, and I'm going to make up a number, if you were like every six months, I'm allowed to spend $1,000 on fixing up the house And I am not allowed actually to go over and I'm not allowed to roll over the money, like treat it like vacation days. It is a finite thing. And if not, they expire, whatever it is, $20 a week. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who I co-budget with and, you know, I'm like, hey, look this over. If I'm saving this much, do you think it's okay for me to spend this much on a dress I really want? Is there someone who you could talk to to help figure out what the right amount would be for you? And do you, can you imagine that sort of on a practical level creating a healthier relationship for you? Or would you just constantly be like, how can I maximize this money? You know, mm-hmm. would it just cause its own problems? You know, I, I, I do think I do that to some extent, a little just kind of by nature. I don't like to spend a lot of money. I feel like even when we've, you know, had the most extra, like even then, like it hasn't Mm -hmm. changed my habits, right? Like I'm still, you know, bargain shopping and, you know, I'm not a big frivolous spender. But you did say that 
money is one of the big changes, right? For sure. For sure. Because we moved into our house and it's a lot bigger than any house we've ever lived in. And, um, you know, like we have really high ceilings. None of our curtains work. Like I have drawers and drawers and boxes of curtains and none of them fit in this house. Right. It's just like, they just literally don't, they're too small. And so like, I don't have any curtains in my house and it makes me sad because I think curtains are kind of like mascara. Like they just are kind of the finishing touch. Like I love curtains, but they're expensive. And when you have really high ceilings, they're extra expensive because they take more fabric, right? So it's like to actually do one set of curtains, you have to buy the curtain rods and you have to buy all the curtains at one time so that you know that they match and you get what you need, right? And so it's like a huge chunk of money. I think that the fact that knowing that like, okay, to actually dress the windows in my dining room is going to cost me several hundred dollars just by the nature of the amount of fabric that I need. And that feels like too much money to spend. So I just don't do it and stay sad. (laughs) So my question is, if you and your husband, let's say, come up with a budget of $50 a month, And you just have to wait six months. Mm -hmm. But once the six months have passed, you can afford to do it. Would that switch your mindset on it? It might help. I mean, I can can see where you're going with this and I can see that it would help. I think kind of the hardest thing for me personally is that like when I'm inspired, it's like that inspiration only lasts so long, you know? So like a lot of times I find myself like getting really excited about something and then like I start getting into the details. I'm like, okay, I either can't afford this or this is going to be way more work than than we originally thought. And so then I just like get defeated and I'm just like, I give up. So it's it's hard to balance, right? I'm either like all in and like can't sleep, you know, like my brain is, you know, rattling inside my head because it's so full of ideas. Or I'm just like, oh, this is too much. I'm overwhelmed by this, right? And so I think it's that that finding that middle ground and, and kind of in that in-between is where I find myself buying little stuff to fill in the blanks, right? Like right. I can't get to where I really want to be. So I'm just going to kind of buy something to make me temporarily happy, even though it's ultimately not getting me to my real goal. It's it's a tiny little piece of the puzzle that's not making a big impact. Right. That's interesting, right? Because that's a really hard thing to quit, but it sounds to me like that's the thing to quit, right? The mm-hmm. thing to quit is buying things that aren't really on your I love list. And they are, again, like fair acts of self-care, where you're like, I want the dopamine hit. I want to feel like I'm making progress on my house. I want all of these feelings. But like knowing, oh, that's not actually going to make me feel better. Where you become a little bit more mindful about like, this is not one of the goals. This is not curtains. This is not one of the things that I walk around my house and I am excited about. Right. And and I think too, like, when you said the goal is curtains, I was like, what a lame goal. <laughs> like my my life goal is curtains. I was like, that's so sad. I mean. And I think that's part of like what gets me too is like, it brings me joy and happiness in a way. But like, I don't know, it feels so materialistic sometimes, you know, and it just like, 
I don't know. I, I I'm going to push back on that. That is some hot nonsense. There is a house in Lewis, Sussex, England, that Vanessa Bell and all of her friends spent decades painting on every surface. And it is just like this beautiful monument to a wild and like very dysfunctional in a lot of ways family living in a space. And I feel like domestic arts are arts and they are diminished because they are coded as feminine. And like curtains matter. They will make you happy. They will make your home beautiful. They will create a cozier environment when your friends come over. If it feels silly to you, like I have no curtains. They don't matter to me, but I care a great deal about other things. And I don't know, Edith Wharton cared a lot about what her house looked like. She spent decades designing them out. Virginia Woolf recovered all of her Shakespeare to have like prettier covers because she didn't like the way they looked. Like quit the shame and quit the apologizing about it. And that doesn't mean that it has to be on Instagram, but it can bring you tremendous joy. But the other thing to quit is, you know, I don't know how old you are, but quit your old relationship with interior design to develop a new mom, new house, new version of yourself relationship with interior design. Old you could, whatever it is, spend the money on the curtains. The curtains were cheaper because the house was smaller. I do think you need a new relationship with it. I have the tremendous urge to like create a budget and a spending plan with you. That might not be the thing, but right, like some sort of organization where there's a goal of curtains and you're not going to spend anything until curtains. And I I don't know. I almost want to invite you into like seeing it as a sacred practice and setting aside 20 minutes a day or, you know, Saturday mornings is mom's interior design time. And this sub bank account is my bank account for you know, whatever, and you label it curtains until it's not curtains. It's something else. Like my piggy bank. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, you definitely, it sounds like have to stop, you know, your relationship in your twenties relationship to interior design. But part of that is that it gets to go deeper and it gets to become more intentional and more whatever it is, if the scope changes a little bit, Maybe instead of Instagram, what you want your mom to feel when she comes over. You want her to not have to go up the stairs in order to use the bathroom because she's going to get older, right? Changing your orientation for what it is. So I guess my advice would be quit your previous relationship. Maybe take a little break from interior design itself to set some new intentions around it and then re-engage in it with intention, Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. And I really felt what you were saying when you said, you know, like, think about how you want your mom to feel because that's, that's a huge part too of, of why I make my home is because I like, I want it to feel like home to the people I love, right? Like that, that is a very huge element of my personality. And, um, you know, even in my past career, being an event planner, like that's, that is what I love. I love sharing it with people. It's not just like making a pretty space for me. I mean, it is for me, but it is for sharing it with the people that I love and ultimately making them feel like home here. That is a, um, an interesting perspective. And I, I feel like I've kind of been heading that way a little bit anyway, but with kind of a different, um, 
framework in my head. So it it makes sense to me. It kind of aligns with, you know, my kind of internal monologue that I've already been having around it. It's something that editors give advice to their writers for is who are you writing this to? Who are you writing it for? And one of the answers that I like to offer is that it can be for yourself, right? Like it absolutely can be like, I'm journaling for me. I'm writing this romance novel for me. But, you know, I say this in my acknowledgments, but like when I wrote my book, I had people, specific people in mind who I was writing it for, and I would picture them reading it. And I can see you doing that where you're like, well, do you know what? This is for me. This is for my child at three and four. I want him to see the world as having furniture that's made for him. I want him to have a room where he feels like he can be messy, whatever it is. This is for my mom. This is for my friend who's staying here. That I think is a really beautiful practice, you know, and however that looks of like brainstorming the list of people you want it to be for, the things that you want to be for you. I have a little corner of my kitchen that is just like quiet. (laughs) It's where I keep my cookbooks and it's my space and the kids and Peter don't go back there. But yeah, I, I really think moving from Instagram to people you know and you'll see it on their faces how much it means to them. I really feel like we'll do a lot of this work. So it's it's quitting the external facing part of it. Yeah. You know, I I do recognize that in myself and yeah. I I step yeah. I step back from it. We you all know? have it. But I, I definitely love the idea of thinking about who it's for. And I that speaks to me and my personality for sure and kind of my approach like it's the people who are going to come here and spend the night, right? Like the people who are going to rest their heads at my home, how do I want them to feel? And that is- How do you want me to feel when I come over for dinner? I want you to feel like you can stay forever and that everything you could ever need is available to you and the guest bathroom is fully stocked and you could just park it for a week. And yes. Thanks, like ma'am. I, Yeah. Anything. Yeah. I want, <laughs> I want, that's how I want all my people to feel. And right. like, you know, if you have a bad day, Come on my couch, you know, there's a a cozy blanket and a hug and a hot cup of coffee, you know, like that is what I want my home to be. And do you know what's exciting about that is that some of that is also free, right? Or real cheap. Like who do you give the spare keys to? Do you keep a certain door unlocked? Do you, right? Like some of it is really just like imagining the world through other people's eyes and, There are some things that just like aren't even about interior design, but are about designing your home with like a values orientation of hospitality. Yeah. I like to talk about it as the experience of a space. It's not the space itself. It's how a person experiences it. So it's, it's more than just what you see. It's what you smell, what you touch, what you taste, how you feel. Well, Emily, I can't wait to, you know, see a picture of your mom enjoying your space with or without curtains. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you brainstorming through this with me. You've been listening to Should I Quit, our latest season of The Real Question. 99% of our show is funded through our Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. 
So if you're a regular listener, we would really appreciate your support so we can keep making this for you. Another way that you can support the show is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you are listening. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and Twitter at The Real Q Pod. We love to shout out our BFF tier patrons, Molly Real, Laura Lorber, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Schramm, Effie Hugh, Stephanie Federwish, Biddy, and Ari. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman, and our music is by Nick Bull. We are distributed by Acast. Thank you so much to Emily for joining us today. And thanks to our wonderful team, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, AJ Yaramas, Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Willison, Courtney Brown, Casper Terkyle, and Stephanie Paulsell. You only hear my voice, but none of this works without all of them. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.